0: Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. But for now, we hope you enjoy this message. Thanks for tuning in today. Open your Bible to 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. Praise the Lord. The word of God, the Bible says, God's word is spirit. And they are life. His words are spirit, and they are life. Amen. Amen. In Second Corinthians, third chapter, the Apostle Paul literally talks about spiritual liberty, meaning that when you accept Jesus Christ into your life, uh, He begins to work in your life to free you from the strongholds that you lived with. We call them generational curses, or that you lived with that were handed down to you from your forefathers. And uh, uh, the Bible says, "If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away." Be, all things become new. Amen. How many glad that you get Jesus' genes when you get saved? Hallelujah. Amen. So that you can have a, a, a greater victorious life. Now, on Tuesday, we'll be celebrating um, our Declaration of Independence Day, July 4th. The Declaration of Independence was adopted by Congress on July 4th, 1776. Actually, just 241 years ago. And I want to read a portion of that. And here's what it says. It says, When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for, the one, for one people to dissolve the political bonds which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth this separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. So there was a people, we know them as the pilgrims, that uh, came from England in the 1500s, England, um, uh, they uh, left uh, Catholicism uh, uh, to start uh, a church called the Church of England. And everyone, by law, was, um, was uh, required to, um, to worship uh, this new religion. And there were pilgrims that decided, no, we don't want to do that. So they fled for America so that they could have their religious freedoms. And when the Declaration of Independence was written... It really was written uh, by the hand of men, but from the heart of God. And he goes on, and says this. Uh, he says, um, he goes on, and says, A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. So they're declaring the causes now, why they wanted to be separated. Here it is. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And every one of us here today know that, that to have liberty, to pursue all the blessings that God provided for us, liberty and the pursuit of happiness, it only comes from one source, and that is from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Can I have an amen? amen. Which is really exactly what our forefathers trusted in, was, uh, was, uh, was him and him alone. Freedom has never come without a cause. That's not only true politically, but it's true spiritually. It costs God everything to get us the freedoms that we enjoy in Christ Jesus. God provided his only son so that we could have eternal life. How many are grateful For what Jesus did. Come on. How many are grateful for what Jesus did? You should always express that almost on a daily basis. True freedom is not found in our independence from God. But our total dependence on God. America did not become the most powerful and prosperous nation. Because because of an independent people that wanted their independent ways. This nation was formed from a melting pot of immigrants who believed that their freedoms were found in their dependency on the sovereign God who they looked to and they relied on for both, for, for both governing and guidance. And if you'll study all of the history, I wish I would have um, uh, quoted some of the great men from George Washington on who quoted scripture and literally believed that God was helping them to raise up this nation. And of course he did. When the monetary system was set up, our forefathers... Um, Uh, understood that God alone was the source of all prosperity and uh, they confirmed their convictions by printing on all their monies in God we trust. Amen. In God we trust. Say that. They wanted God to know that. They wanted the nations of the world to know who they were trusting in. Now notice 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17. Now the Lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty or freedom. The word freedom means liberation from slavery or restraint. How many here can say that you, can, you, you acknowledge or you recognize that there was some enslavement in your life before you got saved? Raise your hand if there was any kind of res- enslavement or restraint in your life. And you know that Jesus um, came that, to set you free. In the Garden of Eden... Adam's freedoms were based on two things. Number one, his faith in God. That was the relational side of life, his spiritual relationship with God. And number two, his freedoms were found in his adherence to God's word. That was his spiritual accountability. That simply means that there were boundaries. There were boundaries, and I I spelled it that way because I want you to see the first five words, B-O-N-D. There there were boundaries to his freedoms, Meaning, meaning for him to be free, he had to be bound to something. Very interesting. Paul himself in the Bible is called a bond slave. Anyway, and God recorded these spiritual boundaries in Genesis 2. He said, the Lord God commanded. So there is a divine order for man. Uh, how many believe that God came to bless every man, woman, and child ever throughout the earth? Everyone. Amen. All nations will be blessed because of Abraham. So the Lord commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. So God was overflowing with blessings upon his people. He wanted them to have everything. But there was one thing that Adam couldn't have. And that was of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that you eatest of it, therefore thereof thou shalt surely die. So man's spiritual boundaries were set there. And as long as Adam adhered to, relied on, or trusted in the God uh, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Of course, he wasn't at that point. He was the true and living God. That he enjoyed every freedom that God planned for him to have. Every freedom. uh, Freedom spiritually, physically, emotionally, socially, economically, financially. Every freedom in overabundance belonged to Adam. He couldn't get any more prosperous, any more rich. I thought that was very interesting. The Bible says in in, in Genesis that uh, there was gold in the Garden of Eden. Isn't that something gold? And I was always thinking, hmm, gold. Obviously, that meant something even then to the, to the prosperity of Adam. And God wanted him to have everything. I'm going to believe God wants you to be blessed in every area of your life. Amen. He really does. Amen. So, the boundaries are set. Now, in, and write, uh, you can write this down because this is awesome the Lord showed me this a few years ago. In order for you to be free from something, you have to be bound to something. I'll give you an example. To be free from unrighteousness, Adam had to be bound to righteousness. Amen. So if you want to be really free, you have to become a slave. It goes on. To be free from fear, you have to be bound to faith. To be free from hate, you have to be bound to love. To be free from strife, you have to be be bound to harmony. To be free from deception, you have to be bound to the truth. To be free from poverty, you have to be bound to a lifestyle of giving. So to be free, truly free, you have to be bound, bound to the will of God, bound to the word of God, bound to the spirit of God. Can I have an amen? As you study the Old Testament, you'll discover that the only time God's people ever found themselves enslaved or restrained is when they stopped listening to God. They refused to rely on trust in and obey him. That's the only time that all through the history of Israel that they were found themselves bound. Otherwise, they were the most powerful and prosperous nation of all the nations because God wanted to take that little nation and show all the other nations that he alone is God and they could actually come to him if they wanted to. How many want God to bless your life so much that people are drawn to you because of the blessings that God has in your life? Amen. First and foremost, I mean spiritually. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 30 19 says I've set before you this is God addressing Israel. I've set before you life and death blessing and cursing. He goes on therefore choose life that thou and thy seed may live. See true liberty is not only having the free will to choose but the divine ability to choose wisely to choose wisely. You know when he says choose life that means man didn't even have the ability to choose the right way. That's how dark. Uh, It can get in our lives when we're living outside the boundaries of God's word things get so blurred so distorted that we cannot tell what is real not real you go to a movie today you know and uh, because of the technology we have today man everything looks so real and it's not it's all a green screen of things they add but to you it's real and that's the way it is going to be in the last days deception is going to be so powerful that even the uh, multitudes will follow an antichrist and miss the true and living God. Say, not us. Not us. Amen. Hallelujah. So God is, um, wants us to have the ability to, to, to make right choices so that we can enjoy a greater quality of life. John eight thirty one says, Jesus speaking to the Jews who believed on him, they says. If you continue, that word continue in the Greek, it's, it's a beautiful word. It, it, it means to give place to. If you continue or if you give place to my word or live your life within the boundaries of my word, then you are my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. Amen. I don't know about you, but I've known Christians who were free but went back into bondage. And God doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to maintain your freedom. He wants you to strengthen your freedoms. Hallelujah. In 2 Corinthians 3, 17, and they amplify it, it, says, now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, emancipation from bondage. The word emancipate, literally means to be free, to be free in every era of your life. Hallelujah. My, I, you know, you always watch people, I, I share some about my family, not to put my family down at all. It's just that, you know, when you don't have the knowledge of God's word, you're, you, you're only operating the knowledge that you have. You know, and I believe, I believe with all my, I mean, I believe with all my heart, that, that uh, my mom and dad would have known the truth of God's word, they could have avoided a lot of the pain that they went through. I hold nothing against them. I loved them very much. My mom and dad. Mama's still alive, and, but uh, but they didn't know. And I and, and um, of course my daddy. He you know he drank a lot. And guess what? That happened. And what happened to mama? She worried all the time. She worried all the time. She didn't know that there could be peace which passes all understanding. But I don't blame her for worrying because of all the things that daddy put her through. She just worried constantly worried all the time and of course i was a disaster when i was a child um, i mean i got hurt all the time i mean she she worried about me all the time uh some of you the devil tried to kill me when i was a little boy uh, uh more than once uh i fell out of a haymow one time uh playing with a boy the neighborhood boy uh i can not remember his name it's been too many years and um he, uh, he he came over to play we're playing up in the haymow and um I, uh, he jumped down the hole where you drop hay down and I didn't realize it but a, a pitchfork went down with him and I jumped and landed on the pitchfork and the pitchfork missed my body barely and it was a four-time pitchfork but this, and it went all the way through this arm and it stuck out here of course he runs up and says Mrs. Bang, Mrs. Bang Mickey fell on a pitchfork well you know mama freaked out she comes smoking down to the, to the barn and I'm standing there with the pitchfork in my hand, cry, in my arm crying. Of course, she pulled it out and, oh. <laughs> yeah. She sure did. And she says, naughty, naughty. No, no. She took me to the hospital. And uh, I mean, I'm telling you, man, it's, it's yeah, no wonder she had to worry. But she, but, but there's a reason for it. She just didn't, she just lacked knowledge. She didn't know. She didn't know how good God is. She didn't know the blessings that were found and discovered in the word of God. So they spent their lives, pretty much their whole lives, not knowing. How many agree that we have a responsibility to let people know how good God is? And that he really does want to set people free. So emancipate means to set free. So God's will is to... I'm serious about this. I mean, you know, you're living your life. I, I refuse to carry your care. I love every one of you. And I'll stand in faith for victory for every one of you. But I'm not called to carry your care. I'm called to pray for you, but I want you to know that whatever you're bound to, uh, bound by, God wants to set you free. And God will set you free. Hallelujah. Can I have an amen? Verse 18 says, and all of us with unveiled face, because we continued to behold in the word of God as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever increasing splendor from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. You know, the Bible says that the disciples spent so much time with Jesus that after a while, people recognized that they were Jesus' followers. Amen. They were followers of Jesus. Now, the word transfigured here, the Bible says, when you look into the Bible, um, it, it says the, the word here is you are constantly being transfigured into his very own image. Now, the word transfigured there is the word, English word metamorphosis. It's metamorpho, but it's metamorphosis. And everybody knows what metamorphosis is. That caterpillar, I think it's an amazing thing, a caterpillar crawls, spends its life crawling on the ground, but instinctively, God put within that little bug, uh, that worm, instinctively, to build a cocoon around itself. And and it does, it separates itself, and it may not even know why it's doing it at the time, but it builds a cocoon around himself, and it's completely isolated and cut off from the world. But in, in while he's in there, a divine supernatural process takes place and that he is transfigured where he's changed into a butterfly. So he's able to fly above all the storms of life. And that's the way God wants for you in your life. You cannot, I mean, you you can only get so high I can have an amen. I mean, on this earth, a butterfly can only get so high. But it's the same in your life. God wants you to, Be transformed so that you can can have a stronger spiritual life and and, and, and that you can live a life above all the things that the world is dealing with. Amen? Amen. That's what God wants for you. That's what the word means. Turn, if you would, to John 8. I'm going to read a story there. I've got two stories. And uh, I I want to read these just because it's so wonderful to see what God can do in a person's life. In John, the eighth chapter, um, this is the King James. It says, now, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and he taught them. And you have any idea what he was teaching them? He was teaching them that God came to set them free. God came to heal them, deliver them. Amen. That's what he was teaching. And the Bible says, the scribes and the Pharisees uh, brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And um, the Bible says, and when... They had set her in the midst. They said, watch this, watch this. Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. You know what that tells me? They set her up to set him up. Absolutely. We caught her in the very act. I mean, how can you catch somebody in the very act? They had to set it up. And I I, I believe with all my heart that it was... It was one of the guys that was there. Let's go on. And this they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. Because, see, the law said, now she should be stoned. But what do you say about that? Oh, heard, I didn't read that. Verse 5. Now Moses, and the law, commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? Come on. Now, remember, he was a, he was a Levitical. He was, he was fulfilling the Levitical priesthood, Jesus was. And the law says you stone a woman that's caught in adultery. That's what the law said. So they're to him see what he's going to do. And, but Jesus stooped down and with his finger. He wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up his, uh, himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone, <coughs> or first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Now, I believe that he was literally writing out their whole strategy of setting him up. And the Bible says that they, when they heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, they couldn't be convicted unless he was revealing something to them of their wrongdoing. Would you agree with me? And by their own conscience. And they went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone uh, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up his, himself and saw none, He said to the woman, but the woman, He said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No, Lord. No, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go thy way and sin no more. Amen. Now, Jesus would not have said that if she was incapable of not doing that. Or she was incapable. He he gave her now the boundaries. Now, this is the boundaries. I've set you free. Now, don't retreat back into that. Verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. For the first time in her life, this woman was free. I think is the most beautiful story of the compassion of God, the love of God. I mean, a beautiful story. It doesn't say at all what her life was up to that point. You know, she might have been a real messed up woman, might have been abused when she was a child, so she took on this sexual dysfunction in her life. We don't know. It doesn't say. All we know is that, praise God, in the midst of an accusation, Jesus says, I don't condemn you. Wouldn't, we, wouldn't life be great if we, we just lived like that? That's why I say when it comes to your life, you know, I, I'm not going to be responsible for how you live your life. Not going to be. Do I get disappointed sometimes when people act a some, certain way or they live a certain way? Of course. I'm not happy about it. But that's between you and God. We'll, t- we'll, get, we'll provide spiritual information and inspiration and revelation but uh, again, revelation ain't going to help you without application. So you know this is between you and the Lord, and how you're going to live your life. Now, He said, "Neither do I condemn thee. Go thy way and sin no more." Hallelujah. Now she was free, and Jesus was saying, "If you're going to remain free, then you're going to have to obey me. If you're going to be remain free, you're going to have to obey Jesus." Everybody, say Amen. Paul told Timothy, he said this, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art called and hast professed. You are called to eternal life. You are called to live a life of eternal value. That's what you're called. You're not called to hang on until you get to heaven. Then you're going to have eternal life. God wants you to have the value of life eternal on this side of heaven. Come on, everybody. He wants you to have the peace of God, uh, the joy of God. The the protection of God, the strength of God, the glory of God, the nature of God. He wants you to have, he wants you to have everything on this side of heaven. Hallelujah. And and then when we get to heaven, it'll even be better. Fight the good fight of faith. The word fight there means to struggle literally to compete for a prize. So there's a purpose for the fight. You're competing for a prize and it's all about eternity. It means to contend with an adversary, to endeavor to accomplish something now, that's verse 12, but verse 11 says this. Pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. If you do that, then you'll have the, you'll have the strength to fight. You'll have the strength to stand when having done all. Praise God. That's what he's talking about. I, I just want you to know the devil is not stronger than the Christ in you. The devil's not stronger than the Spirit of God in you. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So once you make that decision to pursue it. A, a righteous life, that is where the battle begins in your life. you got to remember that. Remember what, I mean, I, oh, if we could just hold on to this. Paul says, we are not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're not wrestling against the one next to us, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's what we're wrestling against. I wish sometimes we could get a revelation of what we're wrestling, wrestling against. I'm, t- I'm talking about a, sight, a seeing into the realm of the spirit. Amen. Paul calls it a good fight because a good fight is one that you win. Amen. So freedom isn't found in a self-ruled life, but in a God-ruled life, a surrendered life to both the word of God and the spirit of God. Amen. In Luke 9, Jesus set the spiritual boundaries to his disciples. Here's what he just said. If any person wills to come after me... Let him deny himself, the Amplified says, disown himself, forget, lose sight of himself and his own interests, refuse and give up himself, and take up his cross daily, and follow me and cleave steadfastly to me, conforming wholly to my example in living, and if need be, in dying also. Isn't that powerful? Listen, Paul told Timothy in the last days, perilous times have come, difficult times, hard, hard times to bear. Why? The next verse says, because men, Christians, would become lovers of self. So if self is going to be a God in the last days that Christians are going to have to wrestle with, that's why Jesus said right up front, I mean, the young rich ruler who came and bowed down to him in Mark, the 10th chapter, and said, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I've got everything, but I'm missing something on the inside. What must I do? And Jesus said, you just have one lacking thing. You're trusting in money. If you let go of it, listen, if he'd have let go of his money, he'd have had it all plus money. But the Bible says he went away grieved because He trusted in uncertain riches instead of in the living God. He went away grieved, and Jesus didn't chase after him. You thought Jesus would have said, oh, no, 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 no. Maybe you misunderstood. Come here. (laughs) Come back. (laughs) Uh, You maybe misunderstood me. He didn't say that. That, That's sad. It's sad. the Bible says Jesus loved him much but couldn't help him because he didn't make the wrong choice. He didn't make the right. He valued the temporal of greater worth than the eternal. Man, that's powerful. The cross represents the pain of self-denial, the suffering and death to one's own will in order to fulfill God's will. And Jesus said it's a daily act. It's a daily act. You got to take up your cross daily to follow the Lord. Freedom has two sides. True freedom is not only being free from something, but also being free for something. For the adulterous woman, Jesus set her free from a sexual tormented life so that she had information to provide for the one who is tormented. I share that with you. That's why a lot of times I share my testimony. It isn't because I'm proud. I hated my childhood. But I share things to let people know that Jesus is the free setter. He's the one who sets you free. Hallelujah. He really is. And people that are tormented today, I think, you know, the number one demon spirit that Jesus cast out of people was an unclean spirit. Turn to Mark 5. Let's read that. Mark the 5th chapter. And we'll uh, we'll read this story, Mark the 5th chapter. Say glory. glory. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Mark 5, verse 1. All right. The Bible says, and they came over to the other side of the sea. Now, again, I don't have time, but if you read chapter 4, I mean, as they're going across that Sea of Galilee, a huge storm rises up. And it looks like they're going down for the count. And, uh, uh, but they made it to the other side. What does that mean? Anytime you obey God, warfare is going to rise up against you. And here's what happens. They came over to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. The number one demon spirit Jesus cast out of people was an unclean spirit. That, didn't mean they, that doesn't mean they, they, they failed to shower. That means a perverted, uh, 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 a perverted morally corrupt um, life, life and lifestyle. Who, who had his dwelling among the tombs? And no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. I mean, the guy, he can't get any help. No psychologist could help him. No drugs could help him. Couldn't get any help. And the Bible says... And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. Did you know kids cut themselves today? That, that is a demon spirit that's tormenting that person. The Bible says always, okay, verse 6, but when he saw Jesus afar off, I love this, guys and gals, he ran and worshiped him. Now, we know as we read on, this man had over 6,000 demons living inside his body. 6,000 demons, and yet those demons could not stop the will of man from bowing down to worship Jesus. Those demons weren't worshiping Jesus, the man was. I'm just telling you, man, I'm so grateful, no, no matter how bound a person is, if he cries out to God, God will respond to him, hallelujah, and set him free. I just love that story. And the Bible says, he cried out... And and he cried out with a loud voice, "This is the devil. What I have to do with thee, Jesus? Thou son of the most high God, I dread thee, by God that thou torment me not." Now there's the demon speaking, and Jesus said, "You come out of the man, thou unclean spirit." And Jesus asked him, "What is your name?" And he said, "Well, my name is Legion, for we are many." And he besought him that he would not send him away out of the country. Now there were there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, "Send us into the swine that we may enter into them." And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. See, look, did you see who was yielding to? See who was yielding to who? Jesus wasn't screaming, bloody murder, grunting, grinding to get them out. He said, "Come out of him, you stupid devil!" Praise God. And forthwith, Jesus gave him leave. Their unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. herd. The herd ran violently down the steep place, and there were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the, the swine and told it to the city, the end of the country, and they went out to see what it was done, that, what, that which was done. Verse 15, And they came to Jesus and saw him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. I just want you to know, this mind right here, your mind is the gateway to your heart. And this is where all tormenting starts. Can anybody relate? Amen. The Bible says, And they that saw it told how it fell, befell to him that, he, that was possessed with the devil, and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. Is that sad? They were more concerned about the loss of their pigs than they were the, 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 of the freedom of this man. And the Bible said, I just want to read this one verse to show you what I mean. Um, because you're, you're delivered from something for something. And when he was coming to the ship, he, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him, Oh, Jesus, I want to go with you. I really want to go with you. What's watch what Jesus said. Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. Has God had any compassion on you lately? Somebody needs to know about it. I'm serious about it. Someone needs to know about it. I'm telling you, right outside these doors, there is a... There is a lot of people, the people that you work around, the people that you shop around, many of them are being tormented by the devil and they'll never be free unless someone tells them. Amen? Second, uh, oh, so anyway, go tell, his freedom from, uh, his freedom from an unclean spirit gave him, uh, uh, gave him the mission to go tell others that Jesus can set them free. That's what I'm so confident because Jesus can set you free. Jesus can change your life. He really can. He changed mine. And I know he's changed yours. Now you need to go out and let people know that he can change lives. Amen. I had a woman come up to me one time, and and I'm closing here. And she said, "Um, uh, oh, please pray for me. I just work around these heathen. They're just swearing, cursing all the time. It's a perfect place to work. Perfect place to work. I mean, unless you join in with them, God's going to take care of you. But you're there to be a light to them. Because you'd be, the same, you'd be in the same boat if it wasn't for Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Galatians 5.1. We're going to close there. Galatians 5.1 says this. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, wherewith Christ has made you free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. There is really, the word stand fast is one word, Greek word. Stand fast is one Greek word. It means to persevere. It means to continue in a course of action even in the face of difficulty or with little or no prospect of success. You keep going. You keep trusting God. Amen. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty or persevere, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free and don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I've told people through the years, listen, the the, the avenue to which Jesus set you free is the avenue which the devil will come again to try to take you captive because that's what you're familiar with. He's going to come right through that door if he can. You can't give him any, uh, any, any place. Now, the word yoke in the Greek means a coupling. It, it, it's connect, in, in, in those days, it was connecting one ox. I wish I had a yoke. It, the yoke was like two ewes, a piece of wood, and one of them clamped on your neck, and one of them was right next door to you and clamped to another neck, and they were oxen. They were used oxen because two oxens doubled the strength of one. Can I have an Amen says, don't be yoked. Don't be yoked. Don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So God wants you to know that. If you'll yoke up with the Lord, you'll have twice as much strength than you would if you're just trying to make life on your own. you have have 100 times more strength. Amen. And listen, when you're yoked to Jesus, he ain't going to lead you into trouble. He'll lead you out of trouble. He ain't going to lead you into temptation. He's going to lead you around temptation. Hallelujah. Amen. You've got to be yoked to the Lord. Message Bible says, Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. Jeepers, I'm glad. We were just talking the other night to our family. We were talking about, uh, a little bit about my days of the drug culture. And well, we had some funny stories and, uh, uh, to tell. I mean, not funny. I mean, they're horrific. But they're funny now that you tell them. <laughs> but I'm So grateful. So grateful. That I don't have to go home today and toke up a joint to find some peace in my life. I mean, we all got struggles. We all got challenges. We do. I do every day. But I don't think about, you know, toking up. I, I just have to trust God. I have to stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made me free. I want to read this and we'll pray. Verse 13, this is New Living Translation. For you have been called to live in freedom. Everybody say, thank you, Lord. Now, not freedom to satisfy your sinful nature, but freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself, or love your neighbor as you'd want to be loved. But if instead of showing love among yourselves, you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So I advise you to live according to your new life in the Holy Spirit. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Now watch this. The old sinful nature loves to do evil which is just the opposite from the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite from what the sinful nature desires. Now watch this. These two forces are constantly fighting each other and your choices are never free from this conflict. Every time you desire to yield your life to the Holy Spirit, that's when a is gonna erupt in your life. But you gotta recognize where the battle's coming from. Even if the battle's coming from your husband or your wife or your friend... Or, you know, even even if that's the case, you got to remember where it's really coming from. It's coming from the realm of the Spirit. So you have to be wise to that. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 10 o'clock. We also have what we call School of the Bible on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.